Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This life science-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing the University of Birmingham's new COVID test and AstraZeneca becomes first FDA-approved therapy for HER2-low breast cancer. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X-Talks Life Science Podcast. I'm Aisha Rashid, Senior Life Science Journalist at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Sydney Perlmutter and Vera Kovacevich. Thank you for coming today. Let's start off with a story about a new innovative COVID-19 test. So we, of course, are not completely past COVID yet at all. And so Innova Medical Group, which is the world's largest COVID-19 test provider, has secured the licensing rights for commercializing a new COVID-19 testing technology that was developed at the University of Birmingham in the UK. The new COVID-19 test is a molecular test called the Reverse Transcription-Free Exponential Amplification Reaction, or RTF-XPAR, that produces results in 10 minutes. Now, try, try saying the long form of that test 10 times fast, or even twice fast. <laughs> All right, so this RTF-XPAR technology is touted to be as sensitive as PCR and lamp tests, which are currently used in hospital or clinical settings to detect COVID-19. Now, given the speed of the RTF-XPAR technology, being that it can produce results in 10 minutes or so, uh, the test could be installed in various places, such as airports, malls, entertainment venues, as well as remote settings um, where clinical testing is not available. Now, the new technology is not only as sensitive as PCR tests, but it's also faster and more sensitive than lateral flow or rapid antigen tests. And what makes the test both speedy and mobile is that it doesn't require specialized lab equipment, which significantly reduces wait times, um, can significantly reduce wait times for test results as it bypasses the need to send samples to a lab. So the new RTF-XPAR testing platform is also being adapted for the detection of other viruses, uh, such as uh, HPV, which of course causes cancers like cervical cancer, as well as new variants of SARS-CoV-2, the infamous coronavirus that causes COVID-19. In a news release from the University of Birmingham, professor of biotechnology at the university and one of the co-developers of the test, uh, the testing technology, Dr. Tim Daforn, explained that the RTF test works by amplifying small quantities of viral genetic material to produce a detectable signal within 10 minutes. And of course, this is much faster than PCR or lamp testing and even quicker than your conventional rapid flow, um, sorry, rapid antigen lateral flow tests. Now, the test achieves its speed in two ways. So the researchers at the University of Birmingham have developed a new RNA to DNA conversion step 
um, that avoids reverse transcription. And number two, the, the test also has a new technology, um, an alternative DNA amplification process, and which is called the XPAR. So the combination of these two innovative new technologies um, underlies the speed and accuracy of this new testing um, technology, or this new test rather. So the reverse transcription and amplification steps um, are what slow down existing COVID-19 assays like LAMP and PCR, which are based on nucleic acid detection. And therefore, an ideal test would be both sufficiently sensitive and speedy, said Dr. Daforn. Now, in addition, so the way that XPAR technology um, amplifies DNA um, in this test is that um, DNA is amplified at a single temperature as opposed to the lengthy heating and cooling steps in traditional PCR amplification. Professor of Supermolecular Chemistry James Tecker from the University of Birmingham as well explained that while LAMP, um, which is another molecular test, um, also uses a single temperature for amplification, XPAR is unique in that it's more simpler and a more direct process in which much smaller um, strands of DNA are amplified. And this is what makes XPAR an even faster DNA amplification technique than both PCR and LAMP. So Innova Medical Group, um, again, has secured the licensing rights for this test. And it is the world's largest provider specifically of lateral flow or rapid antigen tests. And Innova is planning for a global rollout of this new RTF XPAR test for widespread use by 2023. And uh, since the onset of the pandemic, Innova has delivered more than 1.5 billion rapid antigen tests worldwide. So I just wanted to get your thoughts about this innovative new test. And uh, again, as we've seen during the COVID-19 pandemic, this is yet again another example of um, an innovation being brought forth um, during COVID for COVID. Yes, during COVID for COVID, but then also apparently for other, um, yeah, for other. And for us, right conditions like you Eventually. mentioned HPV as well so that's also very beneficial mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you did they mention like how much faster it is than PCR well it yeah it produces results in about 10 minutes and of course PCR takes a couple of hours right and then um, sending samples to like the whole workflow of um, you know getting a molecular test like a PCR test for COVID of course you know you have to send samples to a lab and then it takes a couple of hours and then to get those uh, results back, I mean, the whole turnaround is at least a day or so. So, and of course, you know, during the beginning of the pandemic, that was like even longer um, just because there, you know, there was a shortage of tests and a lot of other issues going on. So this drastically reduces um, the time, yeah, wait time for um, a test result. And of course, this is, this is, this is a molecular test, so it's uh, far, far more uh, sensitive, accurate, and superior to your rapid antigen test. And do you know like how big the RTF XPAR testing platform is compared to say a... Yeah, I did not see any details in terms of how the test looks and how big it is, but 
Um, the fact that it can be installed in, you know, places like malls and airports, I think that, um, yeah, it probably it's, it has to be installed. So I'm thinking that there is probably a central kind of a detection um, device or equipment um, that um, is probably not mobile. But again, um, not too many details were released on that yet. Now, are these tests something that can be administered um, by the patient themselves, or do they have to be mm. administered by somebody else? Good question, because um, as you know, with like rapid tests, you can take a test on your own, right. swab yourself and uh, have your sample. I would env envision or assume that that would be the same idea in terms of taking samples. But the processing of the samples, um, I'm not too sure whether that machine that would be installed in different locations would have to be operated by a specifically trained operator. I'm guessing it would be um, just because it's a, it's a more maybe involved technology, but um, we're, um, again, not sure, not too many details um, available about that. But this is exciting because, you know, like the PCR test is the gold standard and here you have a newer and better version of it, um, essentially. So um, because, you know, the rapid tests have, you know, they get a lot of flack for not being as sensitive and accurate and uh, um, issues with like false um false negatives and yeah and stuff like that so it's um i think this is really great and again like the innovation aspect um yeah global health emergencies you know really drive innovation in this case as we've seen yeah i also think putting um these testing sort of like centers you could call them in in airports mm. is is a really a great idea as long as you could process you know a number of tests yeah. relatively quickly and it would save people from um, having to get tested prior to going to the airport which I know a lot of travelers um, can take issue with and and the timing mm -hmm. of these things is, is really delicate and I think like having it in an airport is the best way to sort of stop people who do have COVID that day right then and there right. from getting on a flight which I think is is one of the or has been one of the hardest things to prevent so yeah I think the location and timing of of testing is um with this is is just improving that is such a great point because, yeah, that's been a real challenge in terms of, uh, um, you know, people going to airports and flying and not, you know, before having to ha test 24 to 48 hours, you know, before getting on a flight. But, you know, anything can happen in between that time, you know, if they're not isolating. So this is really great yeah, to have like a point of care test right at the location. I, I just hope that it's, you know, organized better than <laughs> things have been in the past, because that can be, I can see that being a real issue, especially with like, you know, short staffed <laughs> airports and uh, it's going to be uh, a real challenge, but definitely a great option and um, to have, especially at places like airports. I agree. Alright, let's move on to our next story and this is a new FDA approval for a new oncology drug. So the FDA has approved the very first targeted therapy for HER2 low breast cancer. So the FDA um, granted approval to AstraZeneca and Daiichi Sankyo's 
and HER2 for the treatment of patients with unresectable, um, which is inoperable, or metastatic HER2 low breast cancer. Now, HER2 is an antibody drug conjugate, which consists of a monoclonal antibody against the HER2 protein, which is uh, the human epidermal uh, growth factor receptor, and a topoisomerase inhibitor. And topoisomerase, of course, is an enzyme that is involved in DNA replication. So this is the first approved therapy for patients with the HER2 low breast cancer subtype. And this is a newly defined subset of HER2 negative breast cancer. Now in the US, um, according to the FDA, it is estimated that 287,000 850 new cases of female breast cancer will be diagnosed <clears throat> this year alone. And approximately 80 to 85% of those cases were previously considered to be HER2 negative, um, including hormone receptor positive and triple negative breast cancer, and which means that um, the tumors in these cancers do not make <clears throat> um, higher than normal levels of the HER2 protein. Now, um, so of the proportion of uh, breast cancer diagnoses, about 60% of patients previously classified as having HER2 negative um, uh, breast cancer can now be considered at HER2 low. So, and before the approval of this new drug, endocrine therapy or chemotherapy were the standard treatments for patients with HER2 low breast cancer. So as I mentioned again, uh, HER2, of course, is the human epidermal growth factor receptor 2, which is a tyrosine kinase receptor that is overexpressed and genetically amplified in approximately 20% of breast cancers. And this receptor is involved in promoting the growth of both normal cells and cancer cells as well. So of course, when it's overexpressed, you have uh, increased um, growth of cancer cells. So HER2 negative includes hormone receptor positive as well as triple negative breast cancer. Um, and as I mentioned before, HER2 low is a new classification of the HER2 negative subtype, uh, which is characterized by having... So the HER2 uh, subtype um, is characterized to have some amounts of HER2 protein on the cell surface, but not enough to be classified as HER2 positive. So patients with HER2 low breast cancer are eligible for receiving this new drug and HER2 if they have received uh, a prior chemotherapy um, with metastatic disease or if their cancer has returned, relapsed uh, within six months of completing adjuvant chemotherapy. So, and HER2's approval was based on the randomized multicenter open-label Destiny Breast for clinical trial, which involved 557 adult patients with unresectable or metastatic HER2 low breast cancer. And the trial results from the trial showed that HER2 led to improvements in both progression-free survival as well as overall survival in people with unresectable or metastatic HER2 low breast cancer. Um, those in the group that received HER2, of course. Um, so in HER2 is administered as an intravenous infusion.
So the FDA said that in her two's approval highlights how the FDA's efforts align with the goals of the federal administration's cancer moonshot program, which is aimed to target the right treatments to the right patients, speeding progress against the most deadly and rare cancers, and learning from the experience of all patients. Now, as part of the Cancer Moonshot Program, President Joe Biden has um, tapped federal agencies like the FDA, like the FDA, to develop ways to reduce the rate of cancer deaths and improve the lives of cancer patients and their families through advancements in cancer research and technology and development of new programs. And this is all um, stated in the FDA's um, news announcement uh, on the approval for the approval of inher 2 So inher 2 received priority review and breakthrough therapy designations for this specific indication of HER2 low breast cancer, and the FDA granted the approval to Daichi Sankyo four months ahead, actually, um, of the Prescription Drug User Free Act deadline. And in addition, the review of inher 2 was conducted under a project called Project Orbis, which is an initiative of the FDA Oncology Center of Excellence, which provides a framework for concurrent submission and review of oncology drugs among international partners. And so for this, for the review of inher 2 the FDA collaborated with um, health agencies in Australia, uh, Canada, as well as Switzerland. And um, the application reviews um, appear to be ongoing at these other uh, regulatory agencies in these different countries. So uh, yeah, this is a pretty groundbreaking approval for this specific subtype of breast cancer. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on this and also your thoughts on the Cancer Moonshot program, actually, as well. I think that's a pretty interesting program by the um, federal government in the U.S. And uh, that's really targeted towards developing um, innovative new drugs that are more targeted um, and more personalized for um, different cancers and for specific cancer subtypes and um, different cancer uh, patients, essentially. Yeah, I think it's very good that they are targeting research for like a specific subtype of breast cancer, right? And and this, I believe, is um, the HER2 low is now considered to be right. um, like after they've done more research, they realize, okay, there's not just HER2 positive and HER2 negative. There's something in between, mm -hmm. right? Which is HER2 yeah. low, which is when yeah. you have just some HER2 proteins on the surface of the cell. Yeah. Um, so it's considered to be HER2 low. And it's good that they made a therapy specifically for this subtype of breast cancer. Um, because before, I believe it was commonly treated as if it, the HER2 low breast cancer was commonly treated as if it were HER2 negative breast cancer, almost always yes. with chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. But now it's, um, now there's this new targeted therapy specifically for HER2 low which is, I think, a great innovation. Mm -hmm. I've heard of the Cancer Moonshot program, but I haven't read much about it. Oh, okay. It was just kind of um, like a, a word I'd come across in an article. Um, so can you tell us a little bit more mm -hmm. about this program? 
Yeah, actually, I, this is kind of bad to admit because I come from uh, an oncology back research background. I haven't really heard of this program until now. I might have, but might not have really paid attention to it. But um, yeah, it just seems to be, um, you know, a program, you know, from the NCI, which uh, again is... um, administered through the federal government and, you know, tapping into the resources from the government as well to speed progress in cancer research. So the the idea is to accelerate the development of uh, oncology drugs for different cancers. And the goal, again, is to cut death rates from cancer by at least uh, 50%. Actually, I'm just reading more about the program here. Um over the next 25 years. And so uh, that's a pretty ambitious goal, but it's a really great goal, um, definitely, because as we know, cancer rates um, have been increasing. Now, again, that could be partly due to better us just having better detection methods um, and more regular screenings. Um, but uh, I think overall survival, um, not I think, it's actually, you know, survival, cancer survival rates on the whole have been increasing over the past couple of decades due to, again, innovations in um, development of new oncology drugs, um, as well as better supportive care. And so um, I think we are definitely heading in the right direction. But yeah, the, this Cancer Moonshot program is definitely a part of a great initiative um, that uh, will definitely help um, towards uh, really cutting death rates from cancer and improving survival. And this program was actually launched in 2016 by Joe Biden, so when he was vice president. All right, so that is the end of this episode of the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you liked today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com, or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.